federal parliamentary committee has recommended an independent process be established to handle truth-telling and treaty negotiations with Indigenous Australians. It's one of the six recommendations from the group, which also includes endorsing and implementing the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Indigenous Senator Lydia Thorpe says what the committee is recommending represents the long-standing desire of Indigenous Australians. Since the day this country was colonised, we've been calling for this, and that these processes need to be pursued immediately. Their compatibility and indeed complementary and beneficial effects of implementing the UNDRIP have been clearly outlined in the committee report. And we cannot waste any more time in pursuing them alongside each other. The Premier of Western Australia has formally apologised to the state's Indigenous workers whose wages were stolen almost 40 years ago. The stolen wages refers to a period where Aboriginal men and women were employed between 1936 and 1972, often for little or no wages. Premier Roger Cook says legislation and policies that were supposed to protect Aboriginal people resulted in hardship, exploitation and disadvantage. He has described it as a shameful part of WA's history. The fact that this mistreatment existed for Aboriginal workers for decades is a blight on the legacy of successive governments. The fact that our laws facilitated these outcomes brings great shame. For that... We are sorry. Labor Senator Patrick Dodson says the reconciliation work he has been dedicated to throughout his time as a senator must continue beyond his retirement. Known as the father of reconciliation for his years of Indigenous rights advocacy, Mr Dodson has announced this week he will step down as senator for Western Australia on the 26th of January due to poor health. Most recently, Mr Dodson served as the government's special envoy for reconciliation and implementation of the Uluru Statement from the Heart, which he was key in helping to design. He says advocacy for Indigenous rights and empowerment for First Nations people must continue. The legacy of colonisation settlement is still there. You can huff and puff as much as you like about how we've benefited from it, but it's still there, it's a reality. Stolen generations, incarceration rates, all of these things are consequences of being destabilised and disrupted and displaced. Now, if we don't acknowledge that as the underpinning causes for why First Peoples are in the positions in many cases that they are in because of the consequences of that, then we're simply going to have a legacy of welfareism being perpetrated. The United Nations says it strongly welcomes ongoing talks to extend the current ceasefire in Gaza. But UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres says a true humanitarian ceasefire is needed because Gazans are in the midst of an epic humanitarian catastrophe before the eyes of the world. His comments to the UN Secretary Council have been backed by the Palestinian Foreign Minister, Riyad al-Maliki, who has told the meeting the Palestinian people are faced with an existential threat and are owed respect to their inherent dignity. But Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, says it is not as simple as that. Colleagues, humanitarian aid is very, very important. But more food, water and medical supplies will not bring us closer to a solution. Hamas doesn't care about the people in Gaza. All they are interested in is implementing Hitler's final solution. 
and nothing can change a genocidal ideology. It must be uprooted and eradicated. The federal government says it does not understand why the opposition continues to oppose its newly approved Murray-Darling Basin plan, which has passed through the Senate with the support of the crossbench and Greens. Coalition Senator Simon Birmingham has told the Senate the updated plan is a sign the Albanese government is not listening to the concerns of the community. But Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek says the opposite is true. She says this is an important achievement for safeguarding the environment. This is an historic day for Australia's largest river system and it's a bright day for the future of our basin communities. It's a massive day for the environment of Australia. One of the biggest things that any Australian government has done for nature, certainly this decade... The internet has become a haven of creativity and connection for young people with disability, despite the group being almost twice as likely to experience weekly online abuse. Findings released by the eSafety Commissioner have revealed young people with a disability are using the internet in greater than average numbers to meet people, share hobbies and ask questions they wouldn't ask in person. Almost 70% of those surveyed have said they find it easier to be themselves online than when they're with people face-to-face, while 45% say talking to people who like the same things was one of the best things about the internet. E-Safety Commissioner Julie Inham-Grant says the online world is an incredible gateway to self-affirming experiences for young people with disability that were unimaginable just a few generations ago. Australians are being encouraged to be more honest about unwanted Christmas gifts to help combat waste during the festive season. The plea follows new research from the Australian Institute that reveals about 6.1 million Australians expect to receive gifts this Christmas they will not use or wear, and almost half would prefer people don't buy them gifts at all. Director of the Institute's Waste and Circular Economy Program, Nina Gabor, has described Christmas as the greatest annual environmental disaster. We want people to be more honest and realise that this habit is not good for the environment and to finally reach that juncture where they say you know what it's okay not to give a physical material christmas present you know i know it won't happen immediately but once we start to get these these notions these figures these issues in our minds and through our mainstream culture um, then i think bit by bit we'll start to see a shift And to sport, France has been named as the preferred host for the 2030 Winter Olympics, with Salt Lake City selected for 2034. Bid leaders will now intensify their talks with the International Olympics Committee to flesh out plans and secure state support before the International Olympic Committee makes their formal selection next year. But the IOC has declined to say if it will ban Russian athletes from competition in 2024. Communications Director Mark Adams says the committee has not yet made up its mind. And we also said that we would take our time in making that decision, uh, but clearly... We also want at some stage to give athletes uh, certainty uh, about competing. So I can't give you an exact timeline because uh, conditions are changing all the time. And that is NITV Radio's News Wrap of the Week.